You're listening to a DM podcast. We are underway. G'day, guys. Welcome to episode one of Talking League. We are a weekly podcast where we discuss all things NRL fantasy to have your team firing on the weekend. I'm your host, TK, and we have a huge show planned tonight. My two expert co-hosts, Andy and Corby, they'll be joining me for all the fantasy chat, and we'll also be joined for segments by Clarkie with his 2021 NRL predictions, and also the NRL physio, Brian Sini, who'll be breaking down all the preseason injuries. Now, before we rip into the show, be sure to follow us across all the different social medias. We have daily player and team analysis, so follow us on Facebook and Instagram at Talking League Pod or Twitter at Talking League One. We're also going to be dropping regular Q&A shows, so we'd love you as part of the show. Simply call our Fantasy League hotline on 02-8405-7947 and leave us your question to be played on the podcast, or just hit your episode player notes or head to talkingleaguepod.com. All the info will also be there. But let's rip in and introduce you to the crew. First, let's meet Corby. Now, Corbs wants to be known as the champ, but that's definitely not going to be happening here. No chance. But the bloke is a world of knowledge. I'm actually his bunny. He beats me all the time in these big games. He's won two of the last three of our comp in our draft league. And like I said, I'm his bunny, and I'm willing to let that know because he's one of the best in the business, and I welcome Corbs. Welcome. Great to have you here, bud. Thanks for having me, mate. I'm excited. Uh, I don't know if the term experts was thrown around fairly loosely for me and Andy, but again, I'll take that tag and champ um, and move forward. Good start, mate. Expert time wasters more. <laughs> now, next up, Andy. Now, Andy's Mr. Day One. He's the guy that's played NRL Fantasy from the very first day it was launched. It was probably his idea to start it with our comp with the boys as well. Now, he won the first comp. We like to call it the half comp, but Andy, give him credit. He's always top of the ladder. If he's not minor premier, he's always a threat. Introducing Andy, great to have you, bud. How you going, boys? Yeah, they always tell me I've got the monkey on my back still, but I don't believe it. <laughs> you wouldn't believe it. The other day, someone put up, pulled me over and said, hey, do you do a podcast? I go, no, way. Well, you know the talking league? And they go, no, you just got a head for one. Wow. Oh. That's a bad joke to start. <laughs> that is that is horrendous. That's horrendous. <laughs> boys, let's rip in. Studs and duds, this can be a regular segment for Tuesdays. So without a 2021 season yet, we're going to be ripping in to 2020 and our best and worst picks. So let's kick it off. How good is this bloke? Studs. And I want to start with you, Corby. Who was your start of 2020? Uh, I went with Cam McInnes. It's a bit of an obvious one because he finished second highest with the uh, averages for 2020. But you look at his last three years, he just keeps adding on around 10 to his average per year and finished Mm. with the 73 just behind Cleary. So... He seems to be running the ball more with his running meters, and that suits the game, how it's played now with the six-again tackle and that bit more free-flowing middle. Yeah, he was a top hooker last year at um, scoring Cook and Smith, so he's got he's got to be up there. He was outstanding. If you had him in your team and couldn't win draft, then you were doing something wrong. Yeah. Well, I'll give you one of these for that. All right, Andy, let's see if you're... Let's see if your start's better than your oh, joke, like mate, because like your joke was absolutely horrendous. Who was, who was your it's start? It's all downhill for me, mate. <laughs> who was your start of 2020? My start was the, the man, Harry Grant. Everyone was excited to see him. There uh, you go. talked up from the Melbourne Storm. 
the whole uh, team change to the Tigers. Everyone's a little bit nervy, but yeah, he delivered and he delivered well. Yeah, Looked amazing outside of tummy half from from the ball. So, yeah, sixty one points from the first season. So Ooh. that's a cracker season to start with, and I just love the size of him. He's a short little nugget bloke. Gets in there and oh, look, I could be in love with him. Oh wow, he's not Already. my not Already. my love for this. Not this year. He's not my love for not my love boy. No, wow. Yeah, he's my start for the, for twenty twenty. You for leave sure. baby goat alone, but boys, <laughs> my guy was Appy Corosau. Like picked him up. He was only playing what forty minutes at the at Manly, but once clear, he said that he. Was he stole him from the doggies and made him into an 80-minute player. I loved him. His defense, 50 tackles a game for a little bloke. It does worry me a little bit with 25 games because he faded towards the end of last year. But he did me proud, and an 80-minute hooker is really, really hard to find. All the top teams have an 80-minute hooker, and he made Penrith next level, especially clear in Luai. So he's my pick for 2020. All right, boys, let's move on, and we're going to move to the duds. Andy, kick us off. Who's your dud of 2020? 2020, another sh- terrible season, Corey Oates. Oh. Just, I remember when you first doing your draft, you'd pick him in your team 100%. He'll be one of your winger fullbacks you have. You'd have lots of high ceilings, a couple of lows, but he'll just get you the consistency. I think he had about 35 points, mm. roughly. But uh, this year was like a 22 average for points, and he just doesn't make the meters. I'm not too sure if it's if he's ployed to get out of the uh, wing spot into second row, but yeah. I don't know. There's something going on there. Mate, he was once the best winger in the world. Like, why does he want to be a second rower? Just take the easy money on the wing, but do, do what you're good at. Jump high, catch a ball, put it down. 100, 100. Cobbs, let's move to you, mate. Who's, who's your guy? I, I'm always a big supporter of a bald man, but Virgo <laughs> let me down hard. I picked him, same thing. Too. He's when he was at the Roosters, he was killing it and had the mid-40 average. And then he comes to the Eels and I've sort of seen that he had the 35 in the 2019. I was like, yeah, that's all right. He's just doing his thing. He'll get better. And then it took him 17 rounds to score a try. <laughs> I was like, come on, mate. Like, I, think that's I one... need those attacking stats. Mate, he, he, and I held top. on to him. I just persisted, persisted. And he just kept burning me. Um, and then eventually, yeah, I did pun him. But, yeah, Corby's, he was definitely my flop. Corby, we had that conversation every Tuesday, I reckon, for 10 weeks in terms of you dropping this bloke. Yeah, this is and the you week. held this and you week. held. And finally, <laughs> remember that Warriors game when he finally scored and he's doing backflips and all sorts of things? I was so happy for you, mate. Yeah, well, I, I'm pretty sure late. I got rid of him the week before. Yeah. <laughs> I think I got, got rid of him. Oh, I, Boys, my guy was Jack Williams. When Gow retired, that, oh. that 13 spot really opened up. I was doing all my research. 2019 coming off the bench, a PPM of 0.85, sorry, so it's 8 point per minute. But I went to this trial against Manly at Cogra, and he ran over the top of Tapao. He was smashing everyone. I thought, oh, the boys don't know anything about him. Kept him quiet, drafted him. I think only Corby knew about him. And yeah, then he's just, he's totally let me down. You. He's lost all his minutes. John Morris lost all confidence in him. Ended up with an average of 28. After I thought this bloke was going to be a dead set 60 plus. <laughs> I even dropped Torhu Harris for the first round of the, my bench for this bloke. This guy was oh. kidding himself, Jackie Williams. <laughs> yeah, he, he didn't really did not live up to did um, that day at Cogra. He's definitely not the next gal, I'll tell you that. <laughs> <laughs> all right, boys, let's move on. We're going to check in with Clarkie. You've got mail. All right, let's check in with Dane Clark from Clarkie's Rugby League column. Clark will be joining us as a regular guest during the year with his latest insights on news and rumours. But for today, we're going to touch on some 2021 predictions. But before that, make sure you follow Clarkie 
across all the different social medias, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, Clarkie's Rugby League column, and I welcome in the legend himself, Clarkie. Welcome, brother. Thank you very much. Mate, first things first. All right, I'm going to flip this. I know I gave you these questions to prepare a little bit, but we'll start from the bottom because I don't want to have your premiership winner first. So let's go breakout star. Who you got, Clarkie? Sure. I've gone with Hudson Young from the Canberra Raiders. At the moment, I've got him as a bit of a 50-50. I think it'll be either him or Corey Haru and Naira that replaces John Bateman on that right edge. Um, but one thing we have seen from that Canberra right edge is, is a lot of magic over the last few seasons. I mean, we've mm-hmm. had Leilua there, Curtis Scott there, Jordan Rappiner playing outside them, Nick Kotrick at stages. And the right edge for Canberra has consistently been dangerous. Um, sort of factored in with the fact I think Canberra are a top four side this year. I think they've got a lot of depth through the middle. So I see them winning the middle, creating some opportunities out wide for their edge players. Obviously, someone like Elliot Whitehead is going to get a lot of credit and deservedly so. Mm. But I think whoever gets that right edge spot, I think it'll be Hudson Young. And from there, I think he'll have a really, really strong season and um, be considered one of the best back rowers. And I know that's a big call because we haven't seen too much of him um, due to his previous suspensions and stuff. Um, but Ricky Stewart doesn't put his neck out there and stand up for just anyone. Yeah. Only players that um, he believes in, they believe in him. There's a special bond there. The spot's there for him if he's good enough to take it. Um, I think he will, and I think we'll have a big year. Nice. I like that one. Next one, mate. Rookie to watch. Mm. This one, we were just, as we were talking about before, is obviously a little bit more difficult. A lot of young guns and breakout stars have passed the four games, so they're no longer considered rookies. Um, so I sort of did play a little safe here. Um, some options people probably think he's straight like, Joseph Suwali, mm. um, but, you know, as we spoke about before, factoring in his age, but not only his age, but that Roosters back line, there would need to be an injury for him to start. And that's sort of the case for a lot of rookies this year. Yeah. Um, but one man we do know is almost guaranteed that starting spot is Charlie Staines. They've moved on a 200-game veteran in Josh Mansell to make that spot his. The Panthers, you know, they wouldn't do that unless they knew they were dealing with something truly special. And I think something truly special that not we've seen the surface, we've seen the five tries on debut. But there must be something around the club, something at training, something that has made the Panthers go, wow, this kid, we must keep him. And to keep him, we have to release a man who's played for his state and country over yeah. 200 games, a man who was in the grand final with us last year. It's a big call. They got big raps on him. So um, I'm going to go with Charlie Staines from the Panthers. Okay. I caught up with one of my mates on the weekend that coached him in SG Ball. And he said Charlie Staines at fullback is even better than what he did at winger. And he said he's already wow. the equivalent of Dylan Edwards now. Wow, and even more interesting when you look at that Panthers system that they say Stephen Crichton is a better fullback than he is centre as wow. well. They've just got so much depth at the moment coming through. Do they what? All right, let's put it on the line. Your premiership winner, Clarky. Yeah, I've gone with the South Sydney Rabbitohs this year. I think the last few years, the last three years, they've been eliminated in the preliminary. Mm. They've just been one step away from taking that next step. And then you look at their side on paper and, you know, they had Wayne Bennett in the coach um, as the coach. If it's just one thing goes their difference, they get to the grand final. That team is good enough to win a grand final. Yep. This year, I don't think they sort of choke at that prelim stage. I see them getting to the grand final. Um, I love some of the new additions to their squad. I think Jacob Host is fantastic. Mm-hmm. You know, he's shown a lot of the Dragons. Um, and then you've also got someone like Jai Arrow, who really tidies up the middle and compliments other forwards like Tom Burgess, Totola, Cameron Murray, etc. So um, I've gone with South. I think they'll be a little bit too strong this year. All right, rank the top two. Now, who's, who are they going to be facing in this grand final, mate? Really tough. I'm probably leaning to someone like the Canberra Raiders. Yep. As I was speaking before, I just love the depth they have as well. Um, but then I also can't rule out this year's grand finals, the Panthers or the Storm. Mm. Um, Panthers will learn so much from last year and, and take a lot of momentum forward. And the Storm are just always clinical. I, I, I don't think... 
as long as Craig Bellamy remains as coach there, I don't think I'm ever going to predict them to fall out of the top four. They're ultra consistent. And they're a huge chance to get there. But if we've got to lay it on the line, I'm going to say South versus Raiders grand final. I agree. I think they're the two with the biggest squads and lots of depth there, mate. So I definitely agree on that. All right, let's go to the struggle streeters. Who's your prediction for the wooden spoon, mate? Yeah, really tough one to predict. And obviously, no matter who you sort of say here, their fan base is going to be a little bit angry with you. But um, I've got to go with the Dragons. Mm. I know Anthony Griffin was a top four coach when he was removed from the Panthers. Um, and that's obviously a big coup bringing him in as a coach. But I, I just look at their roster and I can't see how much more really changes. I know they have made some nice signings, um, some young gun um, depth signings, such as um, Poasa Farmacilli from the Dragons, et cetera. Yep. But they're not the sort of signings that are going to turn them around and make them a consistent top eight side. They've had players there on big money. Um, Corey Norman, Ben Hunt, really struggling for a number of seasons right now. Yep. Um, and, you know, I sort of predicted last year that this will be the year where Norman's fully settled. Ben Hunt, will, you know, he'll have his confidence alongside Norman who will be firing and, you know, they should go well this year. Um, and then I sort of changed my mind on that and changed it back and forth. And now I'm just to the point where I, I just think we need to ride off the Dragons Although they do have some big names at the club, the big names are not performing mm. um, and therefore sort of in a rebuild phase for me. Yeah, it does take a long time to overhaul a roster. You could be right there, mate. All right, a really important question now is who do you see as the most improved team coming into this season? Yeah, I've got two teams here. I've got the Titans and the Warriors. Mm-hmm. I'm predicting both sides will sneak into the finals. I know that'll be really tough. Um, for the Titans, obviously, they've shown a lot towards the end of last year. And on top of that, they've made some fantastic signings. Um, and I know that's sort of all on paper at this stage and the side still needs to perform. Um, but for a side to perform well, you need to have a, a, you know, a very good coach in place. And Justin Holbrook, only two seasons ago, won the premiership in the Super League. Yep. So they have the right coach there. They have the right roster and the right signings. I think they'll improve. And for the Warriors, I just think they build on the back of last year. Had so much unpredictability and change at the last minute for them. They yep. didn't have their families. And yet there were, there were still um, you know, a chance to make the finals with a five or so games remaining. They lost a couple of close ones. If they can reverse those results this year, play with a little bit more consistency, um, which should obviously help having their families here, their children, wives. Yep. And I just think the side's really galvanized. Um, Nathan Brown, you know, a good coach there for him. Um, a man who's you know, taken the Knights from three wooden spoons, just every player just down in the dumps at the bottom and, and motivated them to you know, rebuild and, and play some good footy. Um, he's the man for the job of the Warriors. I can see them doing pretty well this year also. Yeah, like those picks. All right. Who's the team in the top eight currently that you think is most at threat to miss the top eight? Another tough one to predict, but I've again, I've gone with two sides. Mm. Um, the Newcastle Knights, and that one's relatively simple for me. Um, I just don't see a strong leader in their side. Mm. It was Mitchell Pierce, and now, as we know, it's not Mitchell Pierce. And then when you sort of look at their roster 1-17, to 17, no one, there's no clear contender putting their hand up saying, Hey, I'm the next captain of this club. It could be Clamart, it could be Saifidi, it could be Frizzell, but these are all coulds. Um, it probably will be Kalen Ponger in a number of years, but I think for someone who already cops it from the media is overrated. And, mm. you know, we saw how hard the media went after him when he tried to switch positions. If the Knights got off to a slow start, I could see that really sort of blowing up in his face as captain, which could affect his um, form at the club. So just for the fact I don't see a leader at the Knights, um, I think they're a threat to miss the eight. And then I've got to go to the Cronulla Sharks. I know they've been consistently in the top eight for a number of seasons now, um, but a lot of their best players are aging mm. or playing with injuries that have sort of plagued them in the last few seasons, such as Andrew Fafita, Matt Moylan, et cetera. Mm. Um, further that point, I sort of look at last year, and I think without Sean Johnson, 
a lot of fans would say the Sharks would not have made the finals. And they'll have to do it this year without Sean Johnson up until round eight, um, I believe, at the earliest and 13 at the latest. Yeah. And on top of that, we're not getting a fully fit Sean Johnson back. No. We're getting one returning from an Achilles tear, which in sports overall is really, really tough to return from. So um, unfortunately for yourself as well, I think the Sharkies are a chance to miss. Don't worry, mate. At age, you know, he's approaching age 30. And I had the NRL physio yeah. who we part of this show as well, and he said it. You know, it takes two years to come back from this injury. It's not going to be an easy one. And people thinking that Sean's going to be a magician in the back end of the season are kidding themselves. So, mm-hmm. but it remains to be seen. All right, Clarky, your last question. Now, Dally M. Winner, who's the player that you think will stand out in 2021? Yeah, this one was actually really easy for me. Last year, um, not so much. I know a lot of people thought Nathan Cleary had it. Um, we sort of knew, like, who the top five were towards the end, and it, it was a real toss-up. But this year, I think it's really obvious to me. I think it's Cameron Munster. Okay. Um, you look at how well he played last year, how well he played in the grand final, in the Origin Series, he is carrying so much momentum into this season. And without Cameron Smith there, we can almost guarantee he'll step up a little bit more, have his hands on the football a little bit more. He will own the big moments purely by himself now. Yep. And if we go back to the last few years, Cameron Munster really has owned the big moments in his career um, apart from the one grand final. But, you know, you scratch out that one game, even his origin debut when he was still a, a young gun, he owned the big moments. And without Cameron Smith there, he'll be forced to do that. I see the Storm winning a lot of games. I see them finishing in the top four. And the games they do win, I, I think you can guarantee Munster will at least get one vote, more than likely three, though, for most of those victories. Nice. I like that pick. Well, Clark, you really appreciate you joining me in with your insights today. Look forward to having you on the show during the season. And we'll touch base during the preseason as well, my man. Awesome. Cheers, guys. Appreciate it. All right, guys. Let's move on with another segment that will be happening, featuring usually on a Tuesday, which is Teamless Tuesday. But we haven't got any team lists yet. But we're going to have a look, put out a little bit of a crystal ball together and just a couple of players who are really looking forward to seeing on those team lists in round one. Corby, let's pick. Let's kick it off with you, bud. Uh, I've got two here, Corey, Hawira, and Naira. Uh, and that sort of goes against what Clarkie was just saying in tipping Hudson Young to get that spot. So I think he even mentioned that it's down to those two. But mm. if Corey can get that for a Price of three hundred and ten thousand. Uh, I think he's a massive in. He'll be in everyone's classic at that price. And yep. if you can get him in draft, and he does lock down the second row spot, he will be a massive win. Yeah, um, Corbs, you you watch Canberra quite closely. Like the the thing I feel, and I think Corey's going to get the spot only because I think Hudson plays the middle better, and they're able to kind of interchange him. I think Corey because he played a little bit of middle when he was coming off the bench. But I just feel he's a better right edge, and they bring more when when his other guys in the middle. Like, how do you see that kind of playing out in your mind? Yeah, I reckon Corey's got a little bit more to give an attack. Mm. And Hudson Young was so aggressive. I loved him yeah, in the middle. Absolutely, he just, he just suspensions. A lot of mongrel, mm. but yeah, his attacking stats is what's going to get him. Um, will get you over the line if he locks in that spot because he's got the same points per minute as. Madison and Murray this year, yep. it's just he didn't get the minutes and Bateman was there, so fair enough. Yeah, now, Corby, you know, Andy just, you know, displayed his love before. <laughs> now, I know that you've been, you've been talking up Stefano since October. What are you seeing in this bloke? Well, how you can't miss him, big Stefano. I can see him from up here at Newcastle. Yeah, good's his name. It's, well, that's, that's um, great. Yeah, he's, he's another one. There's not too much to go off him, really, but... His points per minute just for the couple of games he did play were 
1.2 points per minute for the two main games. He only had one game where he played one minute. Mm. Um, but yeah, if he, he gets that 30, 35 minutes, he's getting that 40, 40, 45 points yeah. going off his um, points per minute. But big negative there is the competition there. When Often go, who got uh, signed for the Tigers. I was, yeah, a little bit of me. Um, it was just, yeah, heart drop there because, yeah, Twal, Tamal, Musgrove, McKaylee, Often go, Packer, and Blair, um, Bloor. Yeah, there's not going to be many yeah. minutes left, is there? Uh, yeah, I can it, see him well, as that has two point oh, but yeah, he'll, well, he'll fight to get. Minutes. Freddie, Freddie talked him up that they were very similar in kind of the way they play. So it might be one of those ones. You know, you spoke before about him being pretty cheap. Chuck him on the emergencies. Would just be. see him how it's a bit of a watch list one, eh? Yeah, down the list in the draft, but again, I can see most people having him on the bench in classic. Mm. Well, he was already signed for Tigers, and then towards the end of the season, Parramatta still played him, yeah. knowing that he was there, so they must know he's decent at all. Yeah. All right, Andy, let's move on. Let's, let's get your couple of selections here, bud. Who do you see? Um, first one would be Corey Allen. I think uh, he's going to go to another not go to another level, but I think he'll just really find a good home at Bulldogs. Mm. Get to a combination with Flano in pre-season. Yep. So obviously he was – Backup fullback or slash wing at the Rabbitohs when Latrell went out, he actually took his opportunity and he done it well. So yeah. I think he scored, it was scored uh, thirty four plus. Yeah. So from when he played a fullback for Rabbitohs, so I think if he gets a good little combo, um, Flano would be a good pickup for him. And I think he's going to be a supportive player, like a Gutho sort of supportive player, hundred mm. percent puts in a hundred percent effort. He might not be the flashiest, but I think he will do well. Compet- comp- um, so what's the name? Hopawadi. Last two years has been a little bit flat, so yeah. uh, they do need a new fullback. I know they've been flirting with Avarillo, but I think he's more of a six. So. Yeah, I think six or maybe even a utility role for, for Jake. But Andy, tell me who your second guy is. I Look, I know I'm going to get grilled for this, but he might not be the best, but I think... Uh, he's if, definitely not. If he makes a start in the 17... <laughs> say the name. Mate, you, say his name. I will say it when I'm ready. Bryce Gart, right. No, 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 no. <laughs> Mate, Gussie's blowing up. Like, what? why are you going after Bryce Cartwright? I'm not going after him. I'm just saying if he makes a 17, I'll just be interested to see what is impacting. If he comes on the bench and actually has a good effort, look, I know he's got a couple of other people to, to uh, compete with, Isaiah Papali'i, Madison, Sean Lane, Maratha Nukore, uh, Keegan Hipgrave. So he, if he if he makes a 17, then he's obviously proved to someone he's done all right. So what what are you basing that off though? <laughs> hey, four years ago, four years ago, 2016, when yeah. he actually had a gun, he's had a shit couple of off seasons. Look, 2017, he had off field dramas. He played four games only. 2018, same again. 2019, played 20 games for the Titans, started to get 44 average points. So look, I just think he if he does get a spot in the 13, which I don't think he will. I'm just keen to see him. Being a Parramatta fan, look, I know everyone gets on his on his case, but look, just keep hating, mate. Look, when so does that mean Jason Saab had a good season the under twenties three years ago? <laughs> who, who, Do who, I pick who's him? Is he first round? Pick what about now? when? Hey, mate, who's, who's Jason Saab? Who's mate, that? remember when Andrew Fafita was the best prop in the world in 2016? I'm going yeah. after him. He's my first pick. Hey, oh, para, look, oh, hey, Parramatta oh, fan living in the past. I'm glad they record this because I'll be able to play this back when he actually, if he does make the thirteen. I don't think he will, but look. All right, boys, let's move on to my love interest, Jordan Ricky, Mate, now I'm, I'm really angry about all this press that he's getting because I remember all the 
off-season stuff I told you about this bloke last year. I've been sending you off-season photos of this guy. How big are his guns, for starters? He's ready to go. The only thing that worries about me about him was that that game in round 17 where he scored 56 against Penrith. He got suspended for two games. He was ultra-aggressive. <laughs> He's with TPJ. Anything could happen out there. He, he bloody better get his discipline together. That's all I've got against him. I reckon he was, he'll dead set average 50 this year if he starts. Look, listeners, you can't see this, but I'm in the room and take out. He just, his pants just got tight when he said that name. Wow. He is talking this bloke up like no tomorrow. Yeah. He's probably, look, I reckon Bryce Cartwright will start before Jordan Ricky. Oh. You've heard it here first. <laughs> and he's kidding himself tonight. But the other guy I'm looking at, boys, is ben, Big Ben Murdoch Masilla. Unfortunately, I did hear a rumour, and I'll check it. I am catching up with one of the coaches tomorrow, Justin Morgan, about his peck. So they reckon he might have strained his peck. I never uh, straining a peck and tearing a peck. Like it comes kind of like it always kind of freaks me out a little bit because it is a long, long injury. It's different so. grades as well. We don't know. It's very fresh. Don't know if it's a small tear, large tear. So yeah, but a bit of info I've got on on Ben. I do watch a lot of Super League and have a lot of them on the podcast. And a guy I had on during this year, uh, sorry, last year was Blake Austin, who played on an actual edge with him. He says that Ben never plays in the middle. Everyone's assuming that he's a prop. So it's going to be interesting just to have Justin on the podcast as well for one of our preview shows and just pick his brain a little bit because it'll be interesting to see where he plays because he's a very similar mold to kick out, kick out, very explosive. I don't think he's going to be able to play 80 minutes. So I, I really think that maybe a bench role coming on off the edge and then allowing Tohu Harris maybe to move into the middle might be his go moving forward. They but, do have so many second rows that they can actually do that rotation, I guess. Yeah, but sure, mate, Surely he'll get dual then. Oh, let's hope so. But six foot, 120 kilos. He did said could run 100 in about 11 seconds. This guy's a freak. Have a look on YouTube. Those, that clip I sent you boys. Yeah, he, he runs over people, not through them. Yeah, it's it's true. It's it's true big time. All right, boys, let's move on. But before we do that, everyone, please get following us on social media for the daily analysis. So you can check us out at Talking League Pod on Insta and Facebook. Talking League number one on Twitter. Also, stay tuned. We're going to be having some cash prizes for a fantasy and tipping comp, which will be free to enter. So definitely tell all your friends about that and get involved when we kick that off in a couple of weeks. All right, guys, let's now get some updates on injuries with the NRL physio. All right, guys, let's get an update on all the important injuries around the NRL to help you field your team on the weekend. We bring in the best in the business, the NRL physio, Brian Sini, and you can find all his latest updates on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook under the handle NRL physio. But let's bring him on. G'day, Brian. Welcome to the podcast, bud. Yeah, mate. Good to be on. Keen. Yeah, mate. Keen as. The first one I want to touch with you is the Achilles. Now, we've got three major players, Sean Johnson, George Tafua, Connor Watson. A little bit different in age. But in terms of expectations for them being there next year, what's a realistic recovery rate, the return to running? And just one key word that I know you use a lot, it's performance. Now, is that different per injury? It, absolutely. Like, like all, all your Achilles will be fairly similar in their return to play. Um, but it, it, like in saying that, it can vary quite a lot depending on, and, and you touched on age is a big one. Yep. Um, younger guys are always going to be able to come back from those a little bit quicker. Um, so the range is quite varied. It's five to eight months, which three months sounds like a quite a, you know, a large range. But for such a significant injury like that, it's not at the end of the day. It's probably not all that all that much of a range. Yeah. Um. You you definitely be looking at Connor Watson should be should be all good to go for the start of the season. But 
once again, even if these guys and, and SJ has a chance to be ready sort of early in the season, but even if they are ready and even if you look at the youth, you know, you look at um, Connor Watson, the performance-wise, the, the studies, you know, and evidence tells us that in that first season back, uh, guys who've suffered an Achilles rupture just lack a little bit of that explosiveness because that, at the end of the day, that's what the Achilles is. It's there for power. It's there for explosion, you know, exploding off the mark onto the ball, accelerating through a gap, that kind of thing. So these guys uh, are probably going to take, you know, at least sort of six to 12 months to sort of get that yeah. back even after they return. Um, so guys like SJ, it, it's probably going to work out better for him, even though even though Sean Johnson is known historically for his explosion and his stepping and stuff like that. Yep. If you watched last year, he certainly slowed down a little bit and sort of worked more on his you know creativity. Yeah, uh, like you know, that kind yeah, of thing. Yep. That's right, exactly. So he's a little bit more, yeah, you know, a bit more guile and a bit more creativeness with with his play. Whereas like a Connor Watson, who definitely relies on that explosion and, and even George DeFuis, you know, like he's a big bullocking winger. He, he loves to smash the ball up and, and go at 100 mile an hour. Yep. Those guys might just be a little bit limited sort of on their return in terms of their performance. And, and that's something, you know, once again, with the information that I give, it's, it's not just about, oh, it'll be X number of weeks. It's also about looking at the expectation for the players when they return. Yeah. Just with next one I want to turn to is obviously hamstrings. Major injuries to Tom Travojevic, Matt Moreland, and Latrell Mitchell. When you get someone with a hamstring injury, Brian, like, are you surprised at how many times Matt Moreland did his, his hammy last year? Yeah, look, like I'd say no, uh, purely because the hammy is, is notorious for like the hiring injury rate, which uh, like I've talked about, you know, like time and time again. And, and, and what you get, and look, like I obviously don't know Matt Moylan's uh, situation in terms of, you know, how hard he works at his rehab and stuff like that. But there's been a few reports here and there. But the hamstring is just one of those ones that can get away from you if yep. you if you if you don't do rehab to the you know to the nth degree, you can build up that susceptibility and then it just it's like a snowball effect all of a sudden you pop and hammies left right and center purely because you just haven't you know really smashed that rehab. Now there are guys who are just susceptible to it because that's their body as well. Um, so it's potential that you know it might even be a combination of both, but. It certainly doesn't surprise me in in terms of it being a hammy. Um, if it was a quad or you know even a calf or something like that, I'd be like, oh, that's that that's quite strange. Like you should be able to get on top of that. Yep. But yeah, you, you look you look throughout you know history with the NRL and any any sports really go down you know go down to any sporting club and you, you bring up hammies and there'll be someone who's battled with them you know for their entire career as well. So. Yeah, they are a bit notorious, and whenever they pop up, it's um, it's always something to sort of, you know, I guess be a bit wary of. Yeah, now, next one, shoulder reconstructions. Now, I've got two young players, Callum Ponga and Sifa Talakai, both 22 and 23. Now, back in the day, I don't know if you remember, back in the 90s, it felt like when you got a shoulder reco, it was the end of your career. Are you able to tell us a little bit about kind of how that's kind of emerged and become a little bit different? and kind of when you expect the boys back and when they can actually start making some contact work? Yeah, so, like, I, I think you could say that with a, with a lot of different things. Like, I was doing a bit of um, a bit of reading up on some plantar fascia um, injuries during the week, and, and there was even a paper saying that, you know, when you used to tear your plantar fascia back in the day, 
they just used to say you'd gone lame and you know and, and <laughs> yeah. that was that was pretty much it you were done um so like as as technology improves as sports science improves you know rehab techniques surgical techniques all that kind of stuff you just get guys who like you know you, you're going to be a lot less affected by by these surgeries by these injuries as time goes on and we're seeing that you know sort of across the game in some areas more so than others and and shoulder reconstructions is one of those so look usually i'd say the range the wide range is probably three to six months but i'd say probably 75 to 80 percent are within that four to five month range um so so a lot of guys are coming back in that four to five months they can usually you know start contact you know at least sort of a month before they return. Um, So both of those guys should be looking at Ponga. Look, there's been some reports Ponga might miss the first month. I'd say if he does, they're being quite ultra conservative with it. Um, I I wouldn't be surprised. Like if you go back over the last couple of seasons, like this season is a perfect example. Jake Trebojevic, Adam Fanua Blake had shoulder recos with no chance for round one, aiming for round four. Surprise, surprise came back in round one after yep. four months, um, you know. So you hear a lot of that, once again, like team talk over the off-season when guys are undergoing shoulder recos. Oh, he's, you know, he's pushing for round one, you know, not sure. And, and yeah, usually they get back. So unless there's any setbacks in Ponga's, um, Ponga's recovery, I'd say he'll be, uh, he'll be good to go. Okay, turning to ACLs. Now we've got the young versus the old. So some of the young players, Katoni Staggs, Jaden Braley, Victor Radley, Sam Verrills, etc., Older players, Jack Bird, Josh Hodson, Blake Green, Andrew McCulloch. Now, in terms of their return, now we talk about performance again. Now, is there a difference between a young bloke and an old bloke returning and their kind of the timeline? And also, what's the chance of them re-injuring and also doing the other leg? Yeah, so like probably a bit less obvious with an ACL, and like when we talked about Achilles before, Achilles is going to be a, a little bit more obvious in in an older player in terms of like that more gradual recovery and gradual return to full performance. ACLs look as much as ACLs are a six to nine month recovery period. ACLs are so well rehabbed these days. Yeah. Um, you know, a player suffers an ACL, and it used to just be this devastating you know oh my god Mm. he'll never be the same again but it just doesn't it doesn't happen these days as much anymore um while guys usually take till their second season back to get back to 100 percent. i mean rts he he took a season um to get back and then he won dalian um so that was after an acl so so guys are are still able to hit back at their at their peak performance so it's not as worrisome sort of long term um, look, yeah, like most of those guys, uh, like Stags is probably the biggest concern because he suffered some meniscus damage mm. as well. Um, uh, the other guys didn't really, it wasn't released whether they did suffer any meniscus damage. So yeah. like sometimes that can happen without being reported. But meniscus is your cartilage and, yeah. and the cartilage is something like we hear about guys like Boyd Cordner and different things who are, oh, I've got bone on bone, I've got arthritis and that kind of thing. And that's what happens after, you know, meniscus damage sort of builds up over the years. So okay. stags that are in the in the mid to mid to long term, it's definitely going to be something to watch out for with that knee injury. Um, but, yeah, look, all, all those guys, they're probably going to be a bit slow um, to get back into things sort of early into next year. The forwards will handle it better than the backs because yep. they're, you know, much more straight up and down, 
you know, just running into brick walls, whereas backs have got to, you know, have that change of direction, have that speed and, and that explosion, which is where your ACL comes in. Yep. Um, but, yeah, look, I, I think um, – I, I certainly think that, yeah, it's not, the, it's not the death sentence that it used to be, that's for sure. Perfect. Well, Brian, I really appreciate you joining me on the podcast and sharing the knowledge, mate. That was absolutely brilliant, mate, and hopefully check in with you during the year. No worries, mate. Sounds good. All right, let's move on and do a little bit of analysis off the back of Brian's chat there. But first question, and one of our favorite players, Sean Johnson, he's probably going to be missing for that kind of round eight to ten. So at this stage, we'll look at this. At this stage, we're not going to pick him up classic-wise because it's just a waste of time to be wasting a pick on SJ this early on. But let's. A lot of people play draft, so let's take it. Let's tackle it from that point of view, boys. Josh, let's start with you. Let's let's have a look at an alternative that you're looking to replace someone like Sean Johnson. Yeah, I actually had this guy last year, Georgie Williams, who has that 48 average. Um, he seems to be a runner of the ball. We, I think he had two line breaks a game on average mm. last year. White still takes most of the kicking from him, um, which is a bit of a worry, but I think he was bought into the team as a runner. But Jack Whiten's biggest asset is running the ball too. So hopefully he can still get that kicking down to a, it's about 60-40, man, a 50-50 split to get him a few more points in that area. Yep. Um, and then I think the other thing too, that there's all this talk from Clarkey before with the Raiders. I think they'll bounce back. I think they expected to get up there a little bit um, easier than they first thought with uh, 2020 mm. coming off the 2019 season. Yeah. Um, they'll have a few more, hopefully injuries don't hurt them as bad. And that'll help um, Williams with his positions it was a bit chopped and changed with the hookers the second rowers outside him on that right edge so hopefully if they can just get a little bit of um stability that should help him and and i also think i agree with clark i think the raiders will be well and truly up there and he'll be a big part of it andy you like the other bloke on the left side yeah i'm with him with the raiders 100 percent. so jackie uh, why are you looking at yeah jack one so it was 722 in Classic, but with draft, he was the exact same average as Sean Johnson. So if you're looking for yep. that straight swap kind of player, you can just sort of pick him up instead. Um, I think Josh is right, 100%. The Raiders are going to go well. I think you were saying earlier it was 61 points in like uh, 10 rounds. For so Jack White in the back Jack end. Warden. So yeah, yeah. if he can maintain that form coming into the season, that's going to be an even higher average for him. So. Yeah, I like that pick. I've had him for the last couple of years. But the guys, the guy I'm looking at is the mature rage rookie, and that's Jamal Fogarty. We're going to have him on the potty, actually, with one of the previews coming up, which will be great to catch up with Jamal. But similar to Jack, he's back end of the season. He went from averaging 41 in that first 10 rounds to 59 in the back end of the last 10 rounds. His maturity and his, his ability to make Ash Taylor a better player, make AJ Brimson. Can you imagine with Fafita and Tino, the go forward and just the options that he's going to be having on those edges as well? The I times are the smokies, aren't they? Yeah, Jamal's priced a little bit cheaper than Jack White and, and also originally with Sean Johnson, who's he's going off. He's 666000 on his opening price. So I think he's going to be the one that I really go after in, in that the initial stages. So Yeah, well, Georgie Williams is 642, so they're both. Good, cheaper options. Yeah, definitely. Especially with Nathan Cleary probably going to be up around that oh, million that? buck mark, really. Yeah, nine, 980 or something like that. All right, boys. The, the injury-prone guys, the hemi boys, Moylan and Tommy Turbo. Now, let's tackle this both draft and classic, but we'll go classic first. Tommy Turbo is coming in at 477K, Moylan at 310K. Josh, any interest? 
you can chuck me in this category. I'm a mad hemi boy too. Go on. <laughs> um, definitely are we off the football. ball category, are we? <laughs> yeah, just aging. Uh, I'm saying yes to Moylan. A little bit controversial. Oh, but watch out. His price, 310K, so he's priced at an average of 25, which is pretty ordinary. But his four games at 5'8 last year, three with SJ, who won't be there. He'll be with Chad. Uh, the one he was with, Braden Trindle, uh, he scored 37. Okay, so that was his average. So I'm thinking with Chad, who's that organiser, uh, Moylan will be more of that running half. He'll be able to just do his thing. I reckon he'll be able to increase his price Oi, a little bit. Joshy, feel good wants to tell you something. No, 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 no. <laughs> thank yeah, you. Thank I, I wouldn't you. be picking <laughs> him up in. I wouldn't be picking him up in draft. Listeners, you're gonna oh, get. But you we could make we, some we coin. don't. We agree on a lot of things. This is not. One this of is them, not sure. one of them. Moreland has right. got a disgusting average as a five of eight. When he was 2018, his average was terrible. It was. I've even got it written down here. His average with Chatty was 34. Only two games over 50. The guy that's going to be contributing from this is Jesse Ramian because he likes an early short ball to a centre instead of his winger or or his second rower. Off Moylan. Andy, why do you dislike Moylan? Oh, I've just been burnt in the past from him. I just can't trust. I can't trust. I picked him up so many times thinking, how good is this? I've got Moylan from the free agency. How good is this? Yeah. And then, oh, no, he's not playing because he's injured or he scored 30 points and then he's come off injured again. It's just... He's burned me before, and he'll have to have a good season under his belt for me to pick him again. Agree with you. All right, let's move on to Tommy Turbo. Andy? 100%. Yeah. For that price. You just, look, similar similar hamstring injury, similar thing, but I just think Tommy Turbo just seems a little more focused. I think maybe he might be able to get back to his strengths, and when, he, when he's on, he, the ceiling is so high. It, there's no comparison to him or yeah. Moylan. It's ridiculous. Like, well, he's pretty much going to come in at half of – Teddy's price. Oh, it's cheap. So as. I guess he's going to be a high pick, isn't he, Josh? Because you'd think 30 or 40% of coaches are going to pick him. So you nearly just got to eliminate your competition and try to get a, a player of difference somewhere else, right? Yeah. Josh? Yeah. Well, he look at his round one prices the last two years. He started at 732K uh, 2019 and then 687K last year. Mm. And he's now down to 477. And everyone, like Andy said, the ceiling is very high. So he is going to be in everyone's team. Yeah, I like him. Even I, for draft, before he starts running. Even for draft. Yeah, might, where? Sorry, yeah, sorry. Yeah. He might be off the radar. So, like. Where would you consider him, both of you boys? I'm thinking if you've got a 12 man league, he might go fourth or fifth round. Like he could, because he has that potential. So. Well, I, t- I told Josh I was picking him second. Oh, Josh, I'd go, he's gone. I'd go captain, vice captain. And then I'd go turbo third because just is risky still with the yeah. the injuries. Yeah, you're probably, so probably right. Third. Probably third or fourth pick, right? Yeah. All right, boys. Another guy that probably won't start the season is looking like Kalen Ponga. So we'll go. I guess in classic, you'll wait until he's actually named into a team list. Yep. Drafts a different scenario because he'll only miss max probably four weeks. Probably looking at one or two. So he's going to be very draft relevant in terms of where you pick him up in the draft, boys. Where would you do that? And if you weren't going to, if you miss out on him, is there someone else that you're looking at? Andy. Okay, for me, this sort of speaks, uh, he's close to home because last year I was picking Cam McInnes whether the, the season started on time or delayed at any time. So mm. he ended up only missing one month. He was, I think it was due to miss two. So, 
And he, look at it, he had 72.5 average, second highest of all time. So that just paid off for me. Didn't win the comp, but <laughs> he, he was my number one captain 100%. So <laughs> I think Ponga will probably go in round one or two. Yeah, and would you do it if he was there in round you're probably more round two the I way you're it, positioned. Look, I play end game. It's all about end game, the Avengers. You, know? well, <laughs> you don't win comps in round one. Josh, no, you definitely don't. where would you kind of rank him in terms of – would you pick him up in a round one or two situation? Yeah, I'd probably round two. But, I, yeah, I'd be picking him. He's captain material. Yeah. So you, you want that – he's probably a bit more risky, that winger fullback. He does have that odd game where he just doesn't seem interested but then just clicks back into gear and goes nuts the next four. Yeah, and an alternative if you missed out on him in that first couple of rounds, mate? Um, or the little pappy. Yeah. Pappenhausen down at Storm. Yep. He's a bit cheaper, and he, he does have nearly 10 points average difference. Yep. He's at 49. But if he gets the goal kicking, I know that's a big if, and we'll dig deeper on that when we talk to the Storm mm. contact. But uh, – that usually the goal kickers for Storm get it and um, another eight points to their game, and that will take him up to an average of fifty-seven. So that sits him on par with Ponga, but yeah. it's still that big if with the goal kicking because having a look back, Munster and Pappenhausen did share it in those games. Smith wasn't uh, goal kicking. Yeah, well, I had him. I had both Teddy and Ponga last year, and I'll be willing to take him in the second or third round if he is available. And I still couldn't win the comp because Josh beat me. But the guy I'm probably looking at as an alternative is Val Holmes. Like, it did take him a long time to get into the season. Transitions yeah. was huge. But I liked his last five games. He scored three fifties in that last three games and averaged in that mid-40s. So really happy with Val Holmes. Big fan of his. And, I'm, you know, he's going to be a goal kicker as well. So as an alternative, I miss out on him. Maybe a fourth or fifth round there with a Val Holmes. All right, last question with the injury analysis, boys, is Katoni Staggs. And it's it's in that center position where center position is going to be even thinner because two years ago we had Bateman and Nakora who could play center. Now they're being stripped. There's no more of these dual by the looks of it across the board and Katoni was in that top three centers. So he's going to be ruled out for the half of the year. So who's a center alternative that you're both tracking? Josh, let's start with you. Oh, I'm going you and Aiken for my replacement mm. and I'd, I won't be going near Stags, just from what the NRL physio was saying before. Uh, and, yeah, with Ewan Aiken, he's just – that 42 average last year actually put him on par with Stags. Uh, they were both around that fifth centre average. Yep. If he holds on to that 40 average, I'm happy, I'll am i take that big time in centre. It's one of the worst positions to have. Oh, is it Because they can lose you a head-to-head in both draft and classic. mm New club, could have him firing. Um, but, yeah, I'm tipping him to probably improve on that 42. Yeah. Andy, who are you looking at? Jackie Bird. Oh, the yeah. comeback kid. Un- unfortunate. I had him picked last year for the Broncos. So, And then the poor ACL injury before the season hurt me very much. Um, but I think he's going to – he's changed position. I think he's not going to go – is he playing centre? Oh, they're just going to – I've got a podcast to release with Matty Elliott coming up. Okay. So. It'll be a softly, softly approach for him, but it, from, from the rumours, he said they're playing second row. So if you play second row, you're straight running. You're not going to have too much issue on your on your ACLs. He's a strong bloke. He's like um, just a weapon of a bloke. So I think he'd be able to use his strength in second row run to get some good points. Yeah, at a cheap price, he could be a good look. The guy, especially with Avila Center, sorry, yeah, yeah. The guy I look, I'm looking at is Titans uh, Brian Kelly, 464k, but 
Last year, a bit of a a weird one. 15 games, three games from the wing. His average across the year was 37. But when you actually have a look, his average at centre was 40. When they won, they won four games when he was playing centre. His average was 51. When he lost, there was eight times and the average 31. I'm expecting the Titans to win a lot more footy this year. 100%. And with good, better players around him, his halves and AJ Brimson also maturing. I think Brian Kelly at 464k might be a big steal, especially when ownership last year was under 1%. So he's kind of flying under that radar a little bit. But what edge does he play? I think he plays on the Usually. I think he plays on the left because I saw a photo of him and Kevin Proctor celebrating the other day. So Proctor he's on the left edge because he bit Sean Johnson who plays on the right. So they're on the left edge together. Yeah. So Is that a Fogarty on the other line? Mm, I'll have to do a little bit more research and I love that there you know that they played on the <laughs> Because <laughs> he's seen a bloke's hugging him. Hey, I was there, mate. <laughs> You're still there. dirty, aren't you? Yeah, you bit him. <laughs> All right, boys, great first episode. Before we leave, coming up on the next few weeks, we're going to be doing a preview with the 16 teams. We're going to be getting some insights from either a coach or a player as well. So the first one up is a Brisbane Broncos, and we've got Brisbane Broncos assistant coach Terry Madison joining us for a quick chat, and then we'll break down kind of our picks and our best stuff from those podcasts. Do remember to follow us on social media, Talking League Pod on Insta and Facebook, Talking League One on Twitter, and online you can find everything at TalkingLeaguePod.com. During the season, the GOAT Jeremy Lattimore, he'll be our weekly tipper. And like I said, there will be cash prize Talking League tipping and fantasy comps, which will be free to enter coming up as well. And just remember to get your Q&A in. Boys, this was fun. Joshy, great to have you. Same as you, Andy. Keep bringing those jokes. Hopefully they keep getting better during the year. What do you reckon, Josh? Can't promise they get better, but... Yeah, surely it can't get any worse. Yeah. (laughs) But, boys, we'll check in again with you next week. Really looking forward to another episode of Talking League. Thank you.